0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. So good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you for joining us. If you're a first-time visitor here at The Rock of Gainesville, my name is Hector. I am one of the pastors here at The Rock of Gainesville, and it's a joy to worship with you guys. As you can probably tell by looking around the auditorium, there's a little bit of buzz in the air because this is a significant, and I say it again, it's a significant week for our church family. We are a missions-oriented church. We don't believe that uh, we want to just camp out here within the confines of these four walls. We want to take the good news of Jesus Christ, and we want to go beyond these doors and take it to the world. As a matter of fact, just this past Friday, we sent out a team of 74 of our own. 74. I don't know how big they make planes nowadays, but I'm pretty sure that's a plane full. We sent out 74 to the nation of Peru to go join arms with thousands of missionaries from around the world that have descended on that country to proclaim the name of Jesus. And at the same time, we, hundreds here in this church body, are spreading out across this city, canvassing this area with the very same love of God through Reach Week. And so I am stoked to be here to kick off, in a sense, we can call it that, to launch Reach Week with you. We go because Jesus first loved us. And if you love anything or if you love anyone, you're going to quickly find out that love requires action. Because if there's no action, then they're just empty words, right? right? And similarly, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. So that's why we go. That's why we serve. That's why we love. That's why we give our time. We spend our money. We give our effort because Jesus First loved us, and we want to go and take that good news to the world around us in hopes that someone else will experience and discover that same love of God. you know there 's another thing I love: uh, I love guacamole. oh, my goodness, do I love me some good, fresh guacamole? Actually, I made some last night, and it was delicious and guess what? There's a little bit left over, and that's what I'm going to eat after shirts this morning. Oh, man, listen, I've discovered this about myself. I think I'm a total foodie. uh, Over the last few years, I think I'm just a total foodie. I love food. I love the, the artistry behind food. The passion that people infuse into preparing and serving food. There's so much joy there. I love food. And you see, I know that I'm a foodie because if you pull me off to the side after church and you start telling me about some dish that you really like, it's not going to be long before I start swaying, (laughs) making some sounds. Oh, man. Mm, Yes, oh, that sounds so, oh man, if you throw some garlic in there, oh, some cilantro, oh man, so that's how I know I'm a foodie, because I I sway with it when I talk about it, I make sounds with it when I talk about it, because I love food, but you know what is a great example of what I'm just describing? People talk excitedly about those things that they're passionate about. Pastor George hit on a great example of this just a few weeks ago when he was uh, teaching us through Acts chapter 4. So why don't we go ahead and put that scripture up there because I want to revisit it because I think it's completely helpful for our Reach Week efforts. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Okay, let me give you some context. Peter and John, they're in Jerusalem. They're preaching Jesus. They're healing crippled people. And the religious leaders take notice. And guess what? They arrest them. And they throw them in jail overnight. And then the next day, they all gather around. And then they bring Peter and John before them. And check this out, which I, I think it was hilarious. They, they literally softball pitch like this watermelon size question, which Peter and John just, okay? They said, in whose name or by what, by, by what authority do you do these things? And so it says there, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Peter and John were bold for Jesus. They excitedly talked about Jesus. They had a great passion for Jesus And here's a little side note. Okay, the word ordinary in there, the original Greek word is idiosai or idiosai or idiotai. Okay, I don't speak Greek. Okay, I don't speak Greek. Let's just go with idiotai. But I'm going to give you one guess as to what other English word we get from idiotai. So if you have ever been... And idioti. (laughs) If you have ever had idioti tendencies, you're in good company. You're a prime candidate to go forth boldly in the name of Jesus and amaze everyone around you. Right? That's so good. Craig Rochelle said it this way. He said, we speak boldly about what we believe deeply so good see i boldly talk about jesus because i deeply deeply believe in his saving and transformative work i boldly talk about food (laughs) because i deeply believe that there's connections that can be made through food community Food can comfort, it can heal, it can bring about laughter. So I speak boldly about that. So here's an encouragement as we enter reach week. I want you to grab this lesson from Acts chapter 4, 13. I want to encourage you, be bold. Be bold, be amazing. And if you don't know how to do either one of those, be with Jesus. That's how it happens. Spend some time with Jesus and you're going to go out and you're going to be bold and you're going to be amazing. Now that was just an appetizer. That really wasn't a message. We're going to keep this food theme rolling here. Okay. That was just an appetizer. The entree that I'm about to serve you guys up is in John chapter four. If you're following on the Version Bible app or your Bible in hand, go ahead and turn there. There's two powerful, rich conversations that take place in John chapter 4. I'm going to paraphrase one, and then we'll actually read the other. The first conversation that uh, happens is Jesus with the woman from Samaria, the Samaritan woman at the well. And then the other conversation that takes place is Jesus with his fellow disciples. Now... I'm going to paraphrase the conversation with the Samaritan woman, but what I want you to see as we're going through this is Jesus's relentless pursuit of her heart. In this conversation, you're going to quickly take note that she puts up a lot of blockades, a lot of limits, a lot of barriers between her and Jesus, but Jesus continues to pursue. And I want that to be an inspiration to us One, to acknowledge if we have any limits in ourselves that are keeping us from experiencing the fullness of God. And secondly, to be inspired by Jesus' pursuit of her heart as we ought to be pursuing the hearts of those around us in his name. So, Jesus and his disciples, a little context here, they're in Judea, okay? They... Uh, are increasing in popularity. The religious leaders are taking more and more notice of them as they continue to baptize a lot of people. So they decide to leave Judea and head to Galilee. And you'll notice there in chapter 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria. That's key. Okay, keep that in your back pocket. Then he, they, halfway through the journey, they stop at this village in Samaria... And Jesus is wearied, he's tired, he's a long, long, long journey. His disciples head into town to go ahead and grab some lunch. And Jesus is sitting there. And the woman from Samaria comes up to draw some water from the well. And the conversation begins. And Jesus politely says, please, give me a drink. And then she presents limit number one. Okay? A cultural limit. You can see it and you can hear it in her response. She says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And her response is referencing this tension that exists between these two people groups. You have to understand that Samaria is the land, an area that has seen lots and lots of battles from various nations. And after these battles, remnant people from these various nations settled in to the area. And as they lived together, they started to intermingle. They started to intermarry. They started to blend their beliefs together. So for strict Jews, Samaritans were viewed as unclean people because of that blendedness. So much so that if they were in Judea and they wanted to go to Galilee, they would actually hang a right, head east over the Jordan River, go up the river, and then cross back over to the Jordan River into Galilee. They would literally bypass Samaria. But what did Jesus do? He had to go to Samaria for this moment here. Okay? Okay. So strict Jews, in order to avoid being defiled, they limited their interactions and their associations with the Samaritans. And she has just embraced and adopted that cultural way of things being, that cultural limit. She just assumes it and adopts it. Why are you talking to me? And Jesus demonstrates that he breaks through that barrier, but not only in initiating the conversation, but by continuing to converse with her, so that was cultural. That was a cultural limit. And what I want you guys to see is that she's kind of stuck. Okay, these limits that we put up in our own lives, and the, these walls that we set up around us, we can get comfortable behind them, and we can get stuck. And Jesus is continually throughout this entire conversation calling her up. And he replies to her. He says, "If you only knew, the gift." God has for you and who it is that's speaking to you, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And she's there like second limitation, practical limitation. She's starting to view this conversation through reason and not revelation. She doesn't know that God is the God of the impossible. So how does she respond? She's like, sir, you don't got a rope. You ain't got no bucket. Last time I checked, this well is super deep. I can drop a pepper right now. and It won't splash for about 10, 12 seconds. Right? She's thinking practical limitation. She doesn't know that God is the God of the impossible. She even throws in there like, what is this living water stuff? Like, are you greater than our father, Jacob, who dug this well, whose children drank from this well, whose animals enjoyed this water? Again, operating by reason and not by revelation. She doesn't know that Jesus is the creator of Jacob. Isn't that good? So she continues. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to break through that barrier. And then he starts to describe living water. In the Bible, living water is a reference for the Holy Spirit. And he continues to talk. He says, listen, whoever drinks from this water, they're going to get thirsty again. But the water that I'm offering will become within them a fresh bubbling spring within them giving eternal life. He's still pursuing her Heart. And then the final limitation. She's still kind of stuck. Jesus is still calling her up. This one she says, Sir, I don't want to thirst again. Give me this water. And I'm thinking at this point she's kind of just making casual conversation. Give me this water. And here goes. Because I don't want to have to come out here to draw water again and that's exactly where jesus wanted her to get to he's been peeling back the layers to this moment of vulnerability it's noon it's hot try carrying a jug of water brutal and she says i don't want to have to come out here anymore maybe symbolizing her tiredness her weariness, the difficulty that's in her life. And Jesus, that's exactly where he wants her to be. He sees that moment and that's where he does something incredible. He does something incredible. That's exactly where he wanted her. And he says, okay, go and get your husband. Because Jesus is going to deal in truth. But he allows the conviction of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God to fall on this woman, to go there with her by saying, Go and get your husband. And then she, it's like the air just shot out of her lungs. She probably turned ghost white. And then she says, I have no husband. And then jesus says you're right you're telling the truth in fact you've had five husbands and the man that you're currently living with he's not your husband you're telling me the truth and she's just like now she's rattled right she's just rattled she's like oh my her eyes are starting to open right This is Jesus' pursuit of our lives. The scales are starting to come off her eyes. Her ears are starting to open up. She says, Lord, I perceive you to be a prophet. She's starting to pick up on his prophetic anointing. And then she's like, "Uh, let me put on my religious hat. And then they start talking faith and religion and worship. And Jesus says, let's go. You want to go there? I'm going to pursue your heart until I win you over because I know better for you. I have eternal life for you. And she's all like, "Uh, where, where are we supposed to worship? Your people stay in Jerusalem. My people stay over here. And Jesus says, all right, you want a nugget? Boom, here it is. There's a time coming where it won't matter. Because God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And then he gives her another nugget. He says, by the way, you Samaritans know very little about who you worship. Kind of, which is applicable even today. There's a lot of... Blending of beliefs in our culture. I'll take a little bit of Zodiac stuff. I'll take a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Oprah, a little bit of Jesus. You know very little about whom you worship. We Jews know all about him because salvation is through the Jews. And I don't, I'm not sure if Jesus pointed at himself at that point but he could have, and so he continues to pursue her heart, and then finally, in this scramble, and this confusing conversation, this conversation that she's having with Jesus, and he's prophetic, and oh my goodness, who are you? She says, look, uh, uh, my life is a mess. I, I, there's so much difficulty in it. I, I, you know, I, I'm blended. I don't know what's going on, I, but I do know this. There's a time coming. The Messiah will come, who is the Christ, and he will tell us everything. He'll, he'll fix all of this. He'll, he'll clear all of this up. And there's the moment. Jesus tells her, the person who's speaking to you, I'm he. I am the Messiah. Boom. Pursued her heart. Broke through a ton of barriers. Then the story continues. The disciples walk up, right? Let's read here. Because that was such a powerful moment of heaven touching earth. And I want you, as we go out into Reach Week, I want you to look to see if you, there's any limits in your own life. Any cultural limits? Any prejudices? Any judgments you might have? Any practical limits? Oh, I can't do that for this reason or that reason. See, the first step in overcoming, overcoming limits is to acknowledge them. So as we head out into Reach Week, if there's anything in the way, acknowledge it before God and let him help you to overcome. Amen? Amen. All right, so the conversation continues. We're going to pick up in John chapter 4, verse 27. Lots of good food here for us as we launch into Reach Week. It reads, Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The disciples had their own limits. They rolled up on the scene with their stank faces. Think about that. These people spend time with Jesus, and they had their own limits. But don't worry. Jesus is going to wreck them too. So he continues. The woman left her water jar. That's how good it was. I'm going to leave what I was supposed to do. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, because it took a long time, took some time. The disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, we brought some stuff back from the grocery store. Come eat something. And what I visualize there is that they came, they, you know, they had their faces like, who is she? They, settled, they sat down, they started busting out their sandwiches or whatever they're eating. And Jesus wasn't sitting with them. That's how I see this. Jesus was there. He was looking over the hill. He was looking over the hill. Where that Samaritan woman went, where that village was, he was, he was excited. It says, and then in verse 32, Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. If you're taking notes, write this down Eat like Jesus. Eat like Jesus. I like the way that the ESV version of the Bible says this particular verse. It says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. See, Jesus modeled a magnificent passion to do the will of God. See, the thing is, is that serving God, it feeds your soul. Catch this. Feeding becomes eating. That's where Jesus is raising this up to. He's raising it up to that level. I mean, how many of you, because you were doing something that you were so excited about, super passionate about you have to finish that assignment that artwork you're you got to binge watch that tv series whatever whatever something that you're passionate about whereby you have actually skipped a meal yeah. happens all the time you're so excited about whatever it is you're doing you lose track of time and boom look at that you didn't eat jesus is raising doing the will of god up to that level see because In giving life away to others, God pours life back into us. See, the more that you share God, the more that you're going to savor God. So as we head out and canvas this community and represent Jesus wherever we go, remember to eat like Jesus. Point number two. Let's see like Jesus. See like Jesus. The story continues in verse 35. It says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Jesus has graced us with an ability to see. Why didn't Why didn't the disciples see? Right? They went into the village to go get some food. They probably passed by. They obviously interacted with a lot of Samaritans in the village. They uh, passed by the woman as she darted back off to the village. Why didn't they see? Why do we not see oftentimes? You see, I think it's self-centeredness. Self-centeredness has a way to blind us. Self-centeredness blinded the disciples. They didn't see what Jesus saw. They're sitting on the floor, munching on sandwiches, munching on sandwiches, and Jesus is up on his toes. He's like, look, and he's waiting. Because he knows what's about to happen. So the question, how do we change self-centeredness? I believe that if we adopt a kingdom mindset, that gets reversed. See, because God owns it all. God is in the business of reclaiming, redeeming, and restoring this because it's all His. We no longer belong to ourselves. We've been adopted into His family, given His purpose, given His will. And so when we adopt that mindset, then we know that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We're a part of the kingdom of God advancing throughout the earth we no longer put ourselves before others we look for opportunities to stay sensitive to hear what the spirit of god is saying to see what jesus wants us to see to know what he wants us to know this is a result of having a kingdom mindset i love this in one of the shortest parables jesus ever told in matthew 13:33 in the niv It says, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Church, you're a part of that. If you know Jesus, if you love Jesus, and you have a heart to follow after his will in your life, you're a part of that. You're like the leaven that's literally going out into our community and establishing a new kingdom culture. This is what Jesus has called us to do. This is why we sent 74 people to Peru. We want to evangelize the world. This is why hundreds of us are moving across the city this week, because Jesus wants to share the good news of his gospel with the rest of the world. And you have a significant part to play in that. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. That's your part. And then he says, and see. That's his part. And if you couple that obedience and that willingness with his grace, he's going to show you those who are hurting, those who are lonely, those who are depressed, those who are confused, those who are abused, those who are tired and exhausted, you're going to be able to see that because you're not focused on yourself. That's what reach week is all about. It's more than a week. It's a lifestyle that God has called us to adopt. And last point, celebrate like Jesus. Come on, who likes to party here? (laughs) Celebrate like Jesus. It continues there in verse 36. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought into eternal life. Is that good or what? That's some good fruit. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. What joy. Tell your neighbor, what joy. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. So Jesus is acknowledging the sower and the reaper, the planter and the harvester as equally vital roles in the advancement of his kingdom. See, Jesus has ushered in a new era. Earlier on, he says, oh, you guys know that saying, four months between planting and harvesting. He was speaking of the natural realm. It's got to be chronological like that. You plant, and then you sit on your hands. I don't know. What do you do? Four months. It was the same for a reason, I'm sure. You know? You watch it grow. You got to let the time pass before you harvest. Not so in the spiritual realm. Jesus ushered in a new era where sower and reaper are going to celebrate in fruit at the same time. There's going to be sowing and reaping at the very same time. We're going to go out into this community and we're going to sow seed. Some of you are going to go out into this community and reap a harvest at the same time. Jesus has ushered in a new era. The gospel is going forth many of you will go and sow lots of seed some of you will reap excellent harvest some of you will invite others to come to church to gather with the community of faith to be built up to have their eyes opened to all that God has for them by inviting them back to church the next week or maybe over to your dinner table This is a beautiful time that we get to celebrate. And Jesus called it a joyful work, a joyful work. Because both have their challenges. Seasons of sowing, sometimes they can be long. I continually sow, I continually sow, I continually sow, I continually sow. I'm not seeing anything. You might battle discouragement. But sowing seed is still good and vital. Similarly, it can be tough to harvest. In high seasons of harvest, there are oppositions, family strife, political persecution, demonic manifestations. Each have their troubles. But Jesus said, "What joy This is good and a worthwhile work. And so that's what we're doing this week. We're gonna go sow and we're gonna go reap with the mindset of Christ. Eating like Jesus, being fed by the will of God in our own lives, seeing like Jesus, being moved with compassion like Jesus. That's what we are doing. And to leave you with a last encouragement, let me finish the story for you before I pray. John chapter four, verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. We ain't bypassing Samaria. I got to go there. He changed the city. The grace is upon you to change this city. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. That's who we represent. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for saving us and calling us into your good work. We give you our lives to say thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do in and through us. Jesus, we acknowledge you as Savior of the world. Thank you for entering human history and revealing yourself to us and for making a way there wasn't a way what joy it is to know you what joy it is to be called into your purpose and to go out into all the world and to represent you thank you God that you are advancing your kingdom in and through us so I bless the people as they go out into Reach Week Lord may they represent you With all that's within them. May they continually point to you as your source of strength, as their source of strength, as their source of peace, and as their source of joy. And now, Father, for those of us in here who do not yet know you as Savior of the world, God, maybe they're sitting here and they're wondering, how can I know him? how can I be a part of this great adventure that these people are so excited about? Sacrificing their time, their money, and their energy to go forth with a smile and showcase the love of Jesus. I want to be a part of that adventure. So while believers are praying, if that's you, if you're tired of your blended belief system. You want to know not just a little bit about Jesus. You want to know all that there is about Jesus. If you know that you continually project these walls, these blockades, these limits, Jesus wants to help you overcome them. So if you're sitting in here and you do not yet know Jesus as Savior of the world, let me pray for you. It would be, my honor to pray for you. Why don't you go ahead and slip up your hand and I will pray that Jesus comes and enters into your heart and saves you. Thank you, God. Very well. Well then, family, Jesus has saved us. And he's commissioned us to go into all the world. Let me bless you as you go out this week and represent him. Father, bless our efforts. Bless our time. Protect us. Help us to stay sensitive to your divine opportunities to sow good seed or to reap that glorious harvest that testifies of who you are in this city thank you for being with us we love you and we bless you now in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen amen. thank you guys thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville for more information about our church visit www.therockonline.org